Penn State might have fell short of recruiting expectations for this weekend, but it's okay because the fireworks are going to go off after the 4th of July. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, you are a Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Zach Seiko. I am your host, and I'm joined by Dylan Callaghan-Crowley, writes for Penn State Rivals, Rivals Oregon State, Rivals Michigan State, and Rivals Minnesota. I got them all there, all, all ducks in a row there. And Dylan, it's great to have you back on. First of all, happy 4th of July to you and to everyone. We were expecting some fireworks here over the weekend. Penn State set one off with the DeAndre Cook commitment, another defensive lineman that's going to ultimately be a defensive tackle. Before we get into everything that Penn State was expecting but didn't exactly happen, Dylan, uh, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. DeAndre Cook. A very important commitment. He's not the highest rated, but this is someone that if you redo the rankings, he is going to jump up the boards as well. Anytime Penn State gets a commitment, it's not because it's it's out of want. It's out of need. But from our perspective here, it seemed like Penn State was going to get more than just one commitment from the weekend of 4th of July. There weren't as many fireworks uh, in the arsenal as anticipated here. Yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit of a more quieter Fourth uh, of July weekend. I know Fourth of July is uh, Tuesday uh, on Tuesday, but yeah, definitely a little quieter with DeAndre Cook being the only commitment. A couple guys out there uh, for Penn State still, uh, you know, waiting in the weeds. Here we'll see when they decide to make commitments. You're you're looking at names such as you know T uh, T A Cunningham. Uh, who else is out there? Uh, uh, T.A. Cunningham, uh, Benedict Uma, we'll see what happens there. You know, mm-hmm. Stanford has really grabbed the edge there recently. We know guys like Nigel Smith are going to take their recruitment into the fall. Uh, we'll see what happens with an Xavier Porter. Uh, and then you got, obviously, Jalen Harvey, Liam Andrews, uh, and Chris Cole, among some other guys who are still uncommitted who visited this past month. And DeAndre Cook, just to go back to him real quick before we get to those names, because yeah. those are still some big names that you listed sure. that remain uncommitted. We know that Jalen Harvey uh, is putting off his commitment. He was supposed to commit very soon, and that's just not going to happen in the next few days. And Nick Marsh is going to be committing very soon. We saw David Pale Pale go off the board, go to USC. That one, that one stung a little bit. Jalen Hornsby as well. Penn State looking to take somewhere in the neighborhood five, maybe even six wide receivers if everything works out perfectly but deandre cook uh, this is somebody that plays alongside a name that everyone is going to be familiar with because he's at the top of everyone's recruiting board i'm talking georgia alabama penn state ohio state michigan uh dylan stewart but deandre cook who's currently listed according to rivals six foot four almost 260 pounds he's a three-star with that 5.5 rivals rating uh, and someone that, okay, yes, it came down to Penn State and seemed to be Boston College is one of the other schools, but he was offered by Maryland, Michigan State, Oklahoma, North Carolina, USC, Virginia Tech. There were a lot of schools that at least were recruiting him 
pretty heavily. And then he narrowed down his top five. And then ultimately it came down just to a couple of schools and Penn state ended up winning out. And the defensive line room once again gets bigger. Penn state still looking to get that first defensive, that true defensive end recruit commit, right? They've gotten plenty of defensive tackles here. They're up to three. Uh, And I like the addition of Deandre cook. I like the way that he's good with his hands. Great first step. And if you're already weighing 260 as a senior in high school, you're probably going to get a lot bigger. Yeah, absolutely. This is a nice size kid, uh, as you said, six foot four, two fifty eight. He has a nice, a nice explosion to his game. You said his usage of hands definitely stands out on tape as well. Um, and, and you can see it uh, when you look at pictures of him, watch him on tape. He's he is a big frame kid, broad shoulders. There's plenty of uh, frame to add on weight there. So definitely a guy that is going to get up to that three hundred pound mark. Uh, and, and that's what Penn State has desperate, desperately needed the last few years. James Franklin has gone on to say so as well. Uh, but, yeah, Cook is a really nice pickup for Penn State. I think obviously a little bit more on the developmental side compared to some of the other prospects they were targeting at the defensive tackle position and still are targeting. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot of potential in DeAndre Cook. And it'll be a, a nice little – I don't want to say project because I don't think he's – that much of a developmental player, but he'll be, uh, for the lack of better words, a nice little project for Deion Barnes to work with uh, at the defensive tackle position. Uh, But definitely somebody who, you know, has that twitchiness to still uh, be a edge rusher, not edge rusher, sorry, pass rusher through the middle of the defensive line, but also being able to uh, stop the run. Uh, Something Penn State didn't really have last year, P.J. Mustafer had that prior to his knee injury a couple of years ago. Perhaps he can fit into that P.J. Mustafer mold down the line. Maybe not as big. P.J. was uh, quite a big – it still is quite a big player. But uh, definitely somebody I think who could do a little bit of both for Penn State uh, here in the future. And personally, I think Xavier Gilliam, just watching the tape between the two, I think Gilliam, maybe it's the different types of competition that they play at this point in time. But I think I I like Gilliam a little more as a prospect, uh, but I like that Penn State has both of them. And then we still don't know what the ultimate fate of Caleb Brewer is. He's the jumbo athlete, as you and I have discussed still and the everydayers know this, that he could play O-line. He could play tight end. He could play defensive tackle. He's listed at 285, according to rivals. So that's why I say, well, they have three interior defensive linemen, essentially two and a half at this point, because we don't know what ultimately Caleb Brewer is going to be. But he has nice size for the interior if that's ultimately what what they decide to do. Now, there's that list that we talked about. The edge rushers are very important. Jalen Harvey was supposed to commit. He's going to push it back. Malachi Williams was someone that a part of that fireworks, right? I would say Liam Andrews, Malachi Williams, and Jalen Harvey were, along with DeAndre Cook, supposed to be part of that group of fireworks for this. We're being festive on the 4th of July, right? Uh, So let's talk about those other three that kind of were supposed to commit, uh, and they're still thinking things through. Before we get to that, let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Take your swing at betting on Major League fan, Major League Baseball on FanDuel, and you get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That is right, $200. All you got to do is just bet 20 bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets 
bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend on betting everything from money line to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that is safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And Locked On Nittany Lions is your go-to podcast for Happy Valley Insider. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com, Penn State Rivals, for all the latest in recruiting. And that's what we're going to be talking about a lot on these upcoming podcasts. It's the dead period. Penn State does have a portion of the time with the Lash Bash coming up. But Happy Valley Insider is also your place to be for all Penn State football news, recruiting, Penn State basketball, Penn State baseball, which we're going to actually finish up this podcast with. Dylan, you're a big baseball fan. You know a lot about it. You played. And we're going to talk about Mike Gambino, who is joining the Nittany Lions as the new skipper in Happy Valley. But back to recruiting is James Franklin and the team were expecting Penn State to land possibly in the neighborhood of four commitments between uh, between the weekend and then 4th of July on Tuesday. Kind of an awkward day uh, <laughs> yeah. to, ha- to have the 4th of July. You don't have that complete weekend. You got to take some vacation uh, on your Monday to get that four-day weekend there unless you work for a really cool place that gives you that extra day. Besides the point, it seemed like Liam Andrews and Malachi Williams were supposed to be those next ones up on, on on the list and and they're just taking too much time to think about it. Dylan, you have the insight, Liam Andrews, Malachi Williams. I'm still confident that Penn state can land them. Is it just a matter of time from what you're hearing? Yeah, I I still think these are all going to probably be wrapped up here uh, in sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, These are guys that uh, if we're being honest, we thought, you know, maybe end of June, early July, we're going to be, uh, committing at, at some point, but and maybe this weekend was you know, people were feeling good about uh potential announcements. Recruits always like to announce, you know, right after the official visits wrap up. Fourth of July, nice festive times to announce these uh fireworks, as we've been saying. Uh, but I still do feel good about Penn State's chances with them, which let's be honest, uh, the la- the first two weeks of last month went great for Penn State, the last yeah. two weeks of last month, um. To no fault of their own, probably could not have gone much worse for Penn State uh, to a degree, just with those who follow along on Happy Valley Insider or even those who just follow the future casts uh, probably uh, has seen what's gone on. And I will say I really don't think Penn State probably could have done much more on their end of things. They hit home runs on a lot of those official visits. There's just things out of their hands right now, such as NIL, that's been really affecting these recruitments. And while Penn State's made strides in that area, there's still a lot of strides to be made going forward. Uh, we saw James Franklin talk about that on uh, Adam Brenneman's podcast last yeah. week as well. Uh, but going back to these specific guys, uh, Liam Andrews, I, I do feel good about Penn State's chances. Not good enough to put in a future cast uh, right now, but I, I think they do have a good chance here. Uh, Wisconsin, South Carolina, the other two schools to receive official visits. Um, he also, I believe, officially visited Florida, even though it's not on his rival's profile. Uh, right now, I would actually maybe look at South Carolina as the school to watch or outside of Penn State. 
Wisconsin has been doing a good job recruiting this year under Luke Fickle as well, so you can't rule them out. But uh, in terms of Penn State's biggest competition here, I do think that is South Carolina. And uh, Shane Beamer's done a fantastic job recruiting there, uh, so you definitely can't rule them out. Malachi Williams, I still feel very good about Penn State's chances. Yeah. They have a future cast in for him. Uh, very confident in that. Notre Dame was going to be the big competition there. It seems like the Valley Irish have been out of it now for a little bit. Uh, leaving Pittsburgh and Syracuse. Pittsburgh's done a solid job recruiting uh, mm-hmm. the Nick Marsh recruitment. There's somebody who uh, is still very much alive in that recruitment as well. Um, but right now, I do think Penn State has the edge over Pittsburgh uh, and Syracuse in this one for Williams. When he does make a decision, uh, potentially here this month, I do expect it to be Penn State. And then, you know, Jalen Harvey, that's that's kind of the big one. And it's I think Richie put it best on the board this past week in our Ask the Experts, and it was the longer this recruitment goes on for Penn State, it's one of those that you kind of feel less certain about Penn yeah. State's chances to land Harvey. It's just one. I mean, how long have we been saying that, uh, you know, Harvey is leading – Penn State is leading for Penn uh, – Penn State is leading for Harvey. It feels like it's only a matter of time. He's been on campus 10-plus times. When is he going to decide? Yeah. And it just keeps getting pushed off and gets pushed off. And uh, the most recent one is probably the most concerning one for Penn State. It's coming off a official visit to Maryland and uh, – the Terrapins have made some pretty good presentations when it comes to on the field, uh, NIL when it comes to Harvey and, and more. And then, you know, he recently released a top five of Florida, Maryland, Penn State, Tennessee, USC. Only one that, I mean, sorry. I, I, I feel like USC is probably on the outside looking in there. If I'm looking at it, I think it's Penn State, Maryland, and maybe Florida. Tennessee, you never know with with NIL either. And then, obviously, Florida has kind of been the pain in the butt for Penn State this this past month, uh, snapping some prospects from them. Uh, So this one, I I feel good about Penn State. I think Harvey really likes Penn State. I just don't know if the forces at work are going to uh, perhaps, you know, allow Harvey to ultimately end up in Penn State, and whether it's NIL or other factors, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I would say my confidence in that future cast has dwindled a bit as it, his recruitment has gone on here. I mean, we put that future cast in all the way back last October. Yeah, I thought he would have been committed by now, uh, but it's definitely a lot less certain than it was uh, even two months ago, in my opinion. Well, let's I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, Dylan, but let's pick apart the NIL situation because I don't want people to get confused. And I think some of the everydayers will remember this. I've said this. Penn State, it's not a lack of NIL. It's not a lack of money. You have to look at this almost like a salary cap in some situations. Yes, some programs do have better NIL. Let's think of the Texas A&M, the Tennessees, the Georgias of the world that do have more millions of dollars at their disposal to go and do these things. However, Penn State prioritizes certain recruits over others. So let's not discount the fact that they got Quentin Martin to commit, right? How much NIL do you think that was involved there? Let's think about Tyzer Denmark, getting him to flip away from Oregon, who I could group in those schools of Texas A&M and Tennessee. So don't think because, oh, well, Penn State doesn't get Nick Marsh because they don't have the NIL to do it. They have 
a list. They have a priority. You're going to pay more money to Patrick Mahomes to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Then you're going to pay the third string offensive lineman. Right, Dylan? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in this case, you want to go get your priorities. At the end of the day, it seems like Tizier Denmark became more of a priority than getting Nick Marsh once Penn State realized that, hey, we can ultimately flip him. And Quentin Martin, of course, who invest in Pennsylvania, stay in Pennsylvania. Same thing with Denmark here, right? Both those kids are from Pennsylvania. So that's where that salary cap, quote unquote, Penn State isn't limited, right? Their NIL total number can increase. It's going to take some work if Penn State wants to be able to be in the same conversation with Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, et cetera. We've seen that. And what am I naming? SEC schools, aside from the fact of Oregon and USC. But with Michigan State going after Nick Marsh and from what we're hearing, increasing its NIL offer and that being a significant contributor to Marsh's decision, you have to think that Michigan State has him as a priority because he's in the state of Michigan. He's from right there. He's not too far from East Lansing. That's the whole. So it's not that Penn State, well, their NIL program, it stinks. It's no good. They just can't. You're not going to be able to get every single player. Look at, okay, let's take the case of Jalen Harvey. It sounds like USC isn't going to be a factor, but they have a better NIL program than most other schools. So why is an NIL the deciding factor there? Because they're using their NIL strategically to go after players they think are better fits. Same thing with Penn State here. And ultimately, those strategies were focused on, again, Martin, Denmark, you can go down the list for the ones that were uh, Cooper Cousins. Uh, maybe you could even throw guys like Specka and Jackson, who are the linebackers. I think guys like uh, Wosley, Belgrave Shorter out of Florida. I think those guys were high priorities for Penn State as well, since they want to really bolster the secondary to Juan Lane. It, it's different, okay? It, it's not You're not going to be able to say that Penn State, because why isn't it that Penn State didn't use NIL for Quentin Martin and Tizer Denmark, but the reason that's not the reason that they won, but the reason they lost was because NIL uh, was an issue for Nick Marsh or Benedict Ume or whoever you want to throw in when they lose a recruiting battle, right? It's not the case when they win, but it's definitely the case when they, when they lose. Sure. There, and that is definitely part of it. Uh, and I would also say that Penn State is also one of those schools that uh, obviously – use nil but their their presentation of nil is much more for for uh what i've gathered mm-hmm. more of you know once you get on campus is when you know you, you're you your cap is almost unlimited of unlimited oh, yeah. of how much you can mm-hmm. earn a uh, nick singleton obviously is, is going to earn crazy yeah. amount of nil other schools however such as uh not going to name anybody specific but uh other schools not all of them, but other schools do offer more NIL money, you know, up front, uh, mm-hmm. among other perks. And I, I think that's probably where Penn State probably struggles the most in NIL recruiting is, uh, you, you know, these some of these schools are out there offering multiple whatever, whatever let's just say $150,000. That's That is no accurate. That is not a number that any – Body that Penn State's yeah. bargain has received. That's just a random number off my head. But let's say Team A is offering, you know, $150,000 uh, of NIL uh, up front for when that player officially signs, they officially begin bringing in $150,000 of NIL. Penn State may say, hey, you come here, you can earn NIL deals up to whatever. 
but Penn State also doesn't have the ability all the time, uh, and I'm not sure how exa- much exactly they do do this, but uh, but still, Penn State team, I would just go with Team B. Uh, maybe says, uh, yeah, we can't match that 150,000 up front, but you come here uh, and once you get on campus, get some NIL deals, you can make much more than that 150,000. Yeah. Penn, Penn State, I think, is much more in that Team B situation where they can't maybe match these numbers up front, but they can match them once these players get on campus, get their feet under them, and kind of let their talent to a degree do the work. I mean, Nick Singleton was already, you know, getting NIL offers last year before he took a single snap. Um, But that's not all. That's not always how uh, Penn, you know, uh, not Penn State, but college football programs have operated. I mean, I think James Franklin put a grade on uh, Anna Brenneman's podcast last week when he said some schools had a, you know, a generous giving culture before NIL. Uh, so for them, NIL has kind of, you know, just kind of gone from illegal to legal. Yeah. Uh, for Penn State, uh, uh, they have always been a rather, you know, super clean program in that aspect. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anything that says otherwise. Yeah. So for them, it, you're especially against SEC schools, you're always going to be behind the eight ball. And then I would say with Michigan State, Michigan State probably – believe it or not, probably has one of the better setups NIL-wise in the Big Mm. Ten just because you look at Ohio State, a lot of Ohio State fans kind of complain a lot about the same issues that Penn State runs into. Yeah, Uh, And I think that's why Ohio State still recruits at a very strong level. Mm. But I think that's why it may have taken a little bit of a step back just because they can recruit on a national level to the same degree with their NIL setup. Michigan's interesting because it seems like they at some time struggle with it, but they also, when they need to, they can step it up. Uh, it's very much, uh, very much an uneven playing field uh, mm-hmm. for everybody involved. And Penn State, like you said, there are going to be those cases where they definitely win because of NIL, but yeah. it, it's not always going to work out that way, especially yeah. for some of these guys. Like you brought up a great point, Michigan State and Nicholas Marsh. Michigan State was going to do whatever it took. Hmm. or whatever they're going to do, whatever it takes to keep Nicholas Marsh in the state of Michigan. Will it work? It looks like it may, but who knows? This recruitment can flip-flop another three times before he makes a commitment in, uh, what is it, five days. Um, So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I I agree for the most part what you said there. I think it's just also worth noting that uh, Penn State is very much one of those schools that does like to play it as once you get on campus, you're – NIL ceiling is pretty much uncapped, uh, but we're, we can't really offer you a ton mm. up front uh, compared to some of these other schools, which the numbers I've heard thrown around is uh, quite, quite ridiculous. And just to put a cap on this before we get to a couple other players and Coach Gambino taking over Penn State baseball's program, uh, Dylan, James Franklin has told the media outright that their goal when they get on campus is to have it continue after school. They want to make these players into young entrepreneurs. So I think that is a pitch that is priceless uh, in in the scheme of things, being able to make money, become a young business person uh, after all said and done. Dylan, let's get to T.A. Cunningham, some other important prospects, uh, guys like Xavier Porter that Penn State needs to land. Uh, We already talked about Malachi Williams, Brian Robinson, and 
where can people keep up with what you do uh, with all the stuff that you write about when it comes to Penn State, Michigan State, and so much more? Yeah, so uh, you can keep up with the Penn State stuff at, stuff at Happy Valley Insider. And then you can follow me on Twitter if uh, you haven't used up all your uh, tweets for the day at Rivals Dylan CC, um, where I uh, have my Penn State updates. And then, as you said, I also uh, primarily cover Michigan and Oregon State, but I do help our uh, Michigan State side catch up with the recruits and some scouting reports on prospects as well. So uh, if you're interested uh, on learning more of that, over on Rivals, we do have an all-access access subscription where you can read all the boards uh, in uh, the network as well. So you can follow me on all those sites if you get that subscription as well. Okay, so there is wide receiver recruits that Penn State is still chasing after. Nick Marsh is – it's not all – it's not all over, but it sounds like Michigan State is going to be his home. Then it's going to be tough for Penn yeah. State. It, it's going to be a lot tougher, of course. Jeremiah Smith is technically still out there, even though he canceled his official visit. Uh, there's Alex Taylor. Who would you say out of the ones that Penn State has more of a fifty-fifty shot for, or the odds are not necessarily in favor? Who's the most important? I, I would say just because you do lose out hypothetically here, we're assuming that Nick Marsh is a Spartan when all said and done, we almost know, right? But I would say getting Alex Taylor to commit and then making sure that you can get Jalen Harvey, Malachi Williams, who are some of those other 50-50 prospects that you have in mind that Penn State needs to get? Uh, beyond, at, uh, in all positions generally, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I think I look at I think T.A. Cunningham is a 50-50 prospect. It's hard to say just because this is a really yeah. uh, kind of weird recruitment. But right now over on Rivals, our future cast has uh, 75% Penn State. Each of the last three future casts, including our uh, Florida na national analyst, John Garcia Jr., recently put one in. Mm -hmm. uh, he says that Cunningham could wrap this up soon. Cunningham, you know, people are going to see that he has fallen from once being the eighth prospect in the country down to 236. There, and that, yes, that is a two degree concern. And now a lot of that has to come from this isn't a kid that's been able to get on the field a lot recently. Mm -hmm. He transferred from Georgia to California, wasn't able to play in California due to some ruins by the high school mm -hmm. uh, athletic association out there. Is now back in, now back on the East Coast in Miami playing his high school football. Um, but I, I still think that all the potential is there for a guy like Cunningham. Six foot six, 268. This kid is ginormous. He has all the potential in the world. I think it's best to describe him as a low, low floor, but high ceiling player. Yeah. In terms of he may come here and he may not turn into much, but if he comes here and Deion Barnes can develop him, uh, this is a potential steal for Penn State if they can, in fact, land him. I, I think Cunningham is a big one just because that's a position of need for Penn State. Uh, he would fill that size requirement, and the potential is off the charts. Uh, this is a guy Penn State lands and everything pans out. You can look back at three years and be uh, like, how the hell did Penn State go into Miami and land that type of kid? Uh, but they have to finish the deal there, uh, but I do like their chances there as well. Nigel Smith, you know, I, I don't know if that one's 50-50 either, but that one's going to be an interesting one. I think Penn State yeah. probably has a little bit of a better shot there heading into the fall than most would imagine. Uh, but uh, that one still has plenty of ways to go. Uh, Xavier Porter, I think, is somebody you did mention there. 
Uh, I yeah. think with Penn State potentially missing on some of the other guys, and uh, the next guy that I'll briefly mention, of course, along with that, and Liam Andrews. Uh, depending on what happens to Liam Andrews, a Porter is a guy who very much could end up, uh, you know, resurfacing as a big target here for Penn State, depending on how the board plays out. And that's a recruitment that's very much winnable there. And then, like I said, I think Liam Andrews is uh, the last big one. I'm, I, we briefly mentioned him earlier. I think that's a one that Penn State has to land uh, just because the uh, I think there is great potential there as well. If he doesn't work on, out on the defense side of the ball, he can work out on the offense side of the ball. But a guy who is easily one of the best uh, two-way prospects in the entire country, especially on the East Coast, uh, and would be a huge recruitment for Penn State over, uh, you know, in, in a Big Ten rival there in Wisconsin, but also South Carolina, who's been hot as anybody on the recruiting show the last two years. Dylan, let's finish up with this. The Big Gambino comes to happy valley mike gambino is now penn state's baseball coach uh, how do you think uh, so everyone's wondering okay why is someone from boston college coming over to penn state especially coming off a very successful season well pat Kraft has a lot of connections uh from his previous stops temple boston college was one of them when he was the athletic director there so it makes sense that mike gambino who has that relationship built already with Kraft, Kraft now brings him over that's the second head coach that is named mike <laughs> under pat Kraft's tenure you see a little bit of a, a common theme here but no uh, all kind of all the teasing aside from this this is an impressive hire it's something that's not necessarily out of the realm but he doesn't go very far he stays within the region to go get uh, someone who he believes is the best candidate for the job. This seemed pretty quick, right? The season finished up not too long ago in May. There was probably there was they probably searched nationwide here. But Gambino coming off of a very good season that saw Boston College win over 35 games this past year, 16 of them in ACC play. And we know that the ACC has a lot of schools in the South where baseball is all year round. So if you can do that with that kind of competition, because that's where Pennsylvania is limited, Dylan, you and I know this, and that's why Penn State sometimes can be less of an appealing program when it comes to baseball. You have to put more work, more energy, more effort into it because you can't be outside 24-7 like South Carolina, LSU, right? LSU and Florida, who were just in the College World Series, they can play outside. They can play year round. It's it's fall ball all the time, right? <laughs> uh, so, but for Penn State, there's a little more uh, of a battle here. And Gambino's background proves that you want you didn't want someone a coach that was in another region that was unfamiliar with this kind of territory. You needed someone who proved that they were successful given the elements and the way that Penn state has to play baseball at the college level. So I like the hire. This is someone who's got a proven track record and he's coming to happy Valley now uh, to take over. Yeah. It's, I think it's a, a good hire for Penn state. Uh, they were, you know, after wake forest pitching coach Corey Mascara there for mm -hmm. a while, and he would have been a home run. Uh, of a yeah. hire, he, he helped develop one of the best pitching staffs in all of college baseball this past year. Uh, but that would have been a tough pull, and it didn't end up working out. But I think uh, Mike Gambino is a great uh, option here for Penn State. And I, I think it's intriguing. People are going to look at his record and not be overly impressed. But it, it, honestly, if you look around college baseball, look at baseball, college baseball circles, people who watch it, they're going to say Gambino here probably downgraded in terms of a job to go from Boston College to Penn State. Uh, Penn State obviously is not a baseball program that's had much mm -hmm. success uh, in its history. 
And Gambino, while he, you know, the Golden Eagles uh, weren't, you know, going to the College Baseball World Series year in and year out, he had himself some really solid years up there uh, in Boston. And I I think he's going to find similar success at Penn State. It's not always going to be great levels of success, but I think the program is going to become much more uh, respected around uh, college baseball. And in the Big Ten, where you're about to add USC and UCLA, um, you, yeah. you have to be you have to be even more competitive uh, at this point. Uh, Gambino is a guy who's developed talent at his during his 12 years at Boston College. He averaged just under three draft picks a, a season. That that's huge. Uh, Penn, uh, Coop, Rob Cooper did a solid job at developing talent. He had some draft picks, but uh, Penn State hasn't had three draft picks a year. Uh, for basically the last decade like Gambino has. So I think that is definitely notable. And then uh, he's won at a place that's already hard to win at. Uh, Penn State's hard to win at, but you go even further north, it's even harder to win at. We've seen success at UConn as well, so it can be done here in the Northeast. And I think Gambino is definitely somebody who is uh, very intriguing in that aspect that he has developed talent. Uh, I mean, he had uh, ACC Player of the Year, Sal Frelick, uh, not too long ago, uh, be drafted in the first round by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, if he can bring that type of player development to Penn State, that's going to be big for the Nittany Lions because, you know, he's not going to have great recruiting classes here at Penn State, at least in, in the beginning. That's just how it is in the Northeast. You have So you have to be efficient in what you do end up landing. So, uh, I think from a player development perspective, it's a very nice for Penn State. Uh, there will be ups and downs, I'm sure, but I think it would be he's a good hire to bring stability to this program. And somebody who you can look at as getting Penn State to that mark where, again, they are going to be respected on a national level, on the Big Ten level, uh, winning seasons more often than not. Yes, there will be some losing seasons in between, but – I think he can eventually get Penn State, you know, maybe into a College World Series, uh, maybe not into the College World Series itself, but into a, a tournament appearance again here in in the upcoming years. Dylan, it's great to always get your perspective, especially when it comes to Penn State football recruiting. Hopefully some late fireworks after the 4th of July happen here as Penn State still has a lot of priority targets. Uh, and the, the class is not done. I expect about five, six, seven more commits uh, in this time frame. Of course, the fall is going to be very important when they're actually playing football and they can get kids again on campus. Uh, we're confident they're going to get some uh, some flips, but can't wait to have you back on to continue to analyze this as the recruiting uh, the recruiting trail opens back up after the debt period. Absolutely. I, you know, I'm looking at 21 commitments for Penn State. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another uh, five to seven commitments in this class. I think that 26 to 28 number is probably where Penn State ends up. So, uh, yeah, most of the class is already filled, but uh, it, it should uh, be mostly filled to the brim by the end of the summer and uh, or, or, yeah, about there around the summer. So it uh, should be an exciting next uh eight weeks or so. I'm sure Penn State will land some more kids. And then uh, before you know, we're already, we're, we will already be focused on the 2025 recruiting class. Uh, and we'll have plenty to discuss there as well.